welcome to episode number two of the Between Sermons podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Brent, and uh, today's going to be a very special day because my lovely wife, Soul, is joining me on the show. Yeah, my first podcast ever, so hey, hey. here we go. Well, I'm a veteran now because I've done this once before. So uh, <laughs> I need all of your wisdom and experience. Yeah, so here's the thing. Today is either going to be a, an amazing time or it's going to be awful. I really don't know. I don't think there's any in between uh, because this is basically a conversation between a husband and a wife, and um, that could go off the rails really quickly. It's going to be the best. I promise you. You just stick around. <laughs> You're going to be happy you did. <laughs> uh, so before we jump in, though, let me uh, just kind of explain. The Between Sermons podcast, uh, really the idea behind this is uh, I'm a communicator, I'm a preacher, uh, but uh, I, I would much rather have a conversation with somebody. And and a lot of times preaching, no matter how we try and make it conversational or fun or, or whatever, interactive, uh, it really it becomes a monologue. Yeah. Uh, because one person standing on a stage talking at a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, and what I would love is to be able to take that conversation or that that monologue and turn it into a conversation, turn it into dialogue where you're actually able to sit down and talk through ideas, uh, expand on some things, maybe, you know, dig a little bit deeper into what we were talking about on Sunday. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to have heard the sermon uh, from Sunday, but uh, you, you might get a little bit more from the podcast. If you want to take a listen, uh, there should be a link in the show notes to uh, Sunday's message. Uh, and you're on the show because you were actually the one preaching on Sunday at CLC. Yes, it was. Uh, we were talking about Jonah. It was. It was really. It was really fun. Uh, I have to say that when I grew up, just listening to the stories and actually teaching the stories uh, to kids, you know, the Bible stories, Jonah was always my favorite because you know Jonah had Jonah had a journey, and it was it was a different and very very unique uh, journey that he, that he went on. What made you love Jonah? Because for me, like, I almost, I almost hated the Jonah story because it, it's such a, a an absurd story that has a really negative ending. Like, it's we'll, a downer. We'll, we'll, kind of, we'll get into that in a little bit. But what, what made you love teaching Jonah? I mean, it's fun. Like, I mean, if you if you skip all of the sadness and all of the grumpiness that that Jonah was doing. Uh, I mean, he got eaten by a big fish. You know, we don't know if it was a whale or what kind of fish he was, but he got eaten by a whale fish and stayed there for three days. And then the fish throws him up on shore and he's still alive and just like nothing ever happened. Like how does, like how? That is just cool to me. I don't know. That's the supernatural God, right? It is, it is the whole like, that was really gross. (laughs) But kind of cool. But kind of (laughs) cool. Like how does that happen? I think that that was part of the, of the reason why it was such a fun thing for me. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard people talk about this. I've never done the research to, to really know if this is accurate or not, but I've heard preachers talk about it. So it's totally got to be true, right? But um, uh, that w- Jonah was so effective in his evangelism because uh, apparently like the process of him being in the belly of the whale would have like bleached his skin right. uh, in a, like a really weird way. And so like when he's standing in Nineveh, like telling them uh, that God's going to destroy them, like he looks like a ghost. He, he's like the creepiest looking guy that they've ever seen. And everybody's just like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. Yeah. So I have no idea if that's accurate or not. But and and it's I mean, fun to think about. nothing in the Bible tells us that he showered after that. So like, I don't know what kind <laughs> of smells he had on him or what was going on. You know, you always picture him with like seaweed in his hair. Like, I don't know. I don't that, know. It's that is disgusting. Weird. But yeah. I kind of love it. So yeah. So when when we tell this story to adults, but really especially to kids. Uh, the emphasis on the story is this idea of obedience, right? And 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 really, I mean, that's that's the heart of the message. There's more to it than that, mm-hmm. but I think that's a that's an awesome place for us to kind of uh, to start off in this conversation of what does yeah. obedience actually look like? You know, obedience is hard. Obedience is hard because for me, it is more than just the action. And yes. Sometimes you just have to do it, right? <laughs> you just have to do it and you just have to, to follow through. But we teach our kids that obedience is doing things right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. Yeah. And just having that be your your every day, your every situation, it it takes it takes a lot. I yeah. think that I think that being obedient to God, being obedient to to people, being you know, just really uh, allowing yourself to to follow through, it, it takes a lot. I think that yeah. it, I think that it is a process, and sometimes we just make it so plain and so simple, like 
just obey. And, and honestly, it, it, it's, it's hard. Yeah, like, sometimes it is, that's easier said than done. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you want people to, to just do it. But we all are in a different place in our lives. We all are in a different journey. We all are trusting in a different, in a different uh, rate, you know? Yeah. So all of us have to be walking in this process differently. Yeah. And I think that what is important for me is to know that God knows best yeah. and that I have to just put my trust in him. You know, that when God is telling me to do something, when I feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit for a specific thing, it's going to be worth it to just stick with it, to just to just say, yes, Lord, instead of me trying to find an excuse to not do it. Yeah. You know, like I think that obedience is the very first step for our walk with God. Like we, we need to be able to say, yes, Lord, wherever you ask me to yeah. do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I might not it might not be comfortable. It might not be what I wanted to do at the moment. Maybe I really actually wanted to do something completely different. But if you are telling me to do something, I need to trust that you have my best interest in mind, that you know everything that I don't, that you yeah. see the whole picture yep. and, and just follow with that, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is, it's the sinner's prayer. You know, we, we, we learn from Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And sometimes I think we just kind of gloss over that part. It's like, you know, just invite him into your heart. No, it's yeah. confessing he's Lord. When when something or someone is the Lord of your life, that means they're in control, mm -hmm. that they're the boss. That that means that when they say to do something, your your immediate reaction is obedience, mm -hmm. because they're Lord. It's it isn't just about inviting Jesus to come live in your heart. It's saying you're in charge, not me. Yeah. And that that can be a hard thing for people to do. Yeah, because we all we all have the things that we think that we should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> we all have our selfish nature. We all have our own desires, our own. Uh, plans and and sometimes we feel like if what God is telling me to do doesn't go with this then it must not be God uh, but yeah. but it is and and I think that we just need to be receptive to his voice yeah. like what is he really telling us to do and just for me it just comes to trust yeah it comes to submission yeah you know like it's it's, it's understanding that even if I don't understand it I'm mm -hmm. gonna do it yeah even if I might not agree with what you're telling me to do right now because I still want to do what I still want to do. And I don't think that your process, God, is what I need to do right now. I'm still going to trust that yeah. you know what is best for me. It's just yeah. submitting myself to God and say, here it is. Yeah, and I think a lot of times that we we put qualifiers on our obedience. Like, yeah. I'll obey if. Yes. Or I'll obey when. Like, I'll, I'll obey this first step when you give me step two. Mm -hmm. Or I'll obey this if it lines up with uh, what I already wanted or what I was already planning on doing. Uh, but really, the our obedience to God, there should be no qualifier to it. Mm -hmm. it. It should be just because you said so, I will. That's you know one of my favorite things to teach. Uh, because you said so, I will. Like mm -hmm. sometimes, uh, because I said so should be enough in our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. But that's that's a hard place to get to. Yeah, and honestly. When we obey God, we show him that that we love him, yeah. that we care about what what he has yeah. to say. You know, like yeah. the Bible says, if you love me, obey my commands. Like he's saying, yeah. just follow through. Yeah. I remember one time I was uh, asking my kid, um, Bennett, to do something. I don't even remember what it was. It was, a, it was a few years ago. And he kept disobeying. Like he was just not doing what I was asking him to do. And I asked him repeatedly. And then uh, I went and I was washing the dishes and he comes to me and he hugs me. And he's like, I love you. And my, my first thing to say to him was like, no, you don't. Because if you loved me, you would have done what I asked you to do. And in that moment, God spoke to me. He was like, exactly. <laughs> right? And I was like, ouch. Yep. Because I was so frustrated that I was asking my kid to do something and he never did. And then he comes and tells me how much he loves me. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> Bro, you don't love me. Like, yeah. I've been asking you to do something. If you loved me, you would have just listened to me. Yeah. And it was a heart check immediately from God saying, my point exactly. Yeah. Honestly, there's so much in the Bible that actually takes on all new meaning when, when you're a parent. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the, the father's love for us, like, it just, it means something different when you've got yes. your own kids. But speaking of kids, so you, you said something a minute ago um, that, that we do teach at home, that obedience is right away, all the way, 
and with a happy heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have heard it as uh, right away, all the way in, in a happy way. I prefer the, uh, the with happy a happy heart because I think that you can do things in a happy way that your heart's not in. Right. Uh, and so doing it with a happy heart, I think is actually, it's, it's an improvement. <laughs> it may not rhyme as well, uh, but I think that it really gets to the, the pun intended, the heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. Right. But here's something that I've started to notice with, with our kids and, and, and you can kind of jump in here and see if, if this is accurate in, in your, your view. So we've got three kids. Mm-hmm. We've got three statements for obedience right away, all the way. And with a happy heart, I feel like each of our kids struggles with a different one of those three. Right. So our oldest, Jaden, does not get right away. Uh like like he'll he'll do exactly what you tell him to do and he'll mm-hmm. do it uh in a happy way. Like he's in, in, with a happy heart. Like he's not he's not grudgingly, he's not complaining as he does it. But it's like, hey Jaden, clean your room. And like maybe five days later <laughs> he'll clean he his room. He'll get to it. <laughs> right? Like eventually yeah. it'll it'll happen. Bennett, our middle child, is absolutely with a happy heart. Like that kid, he's on it. Like you ask him to do something and he he will do it right then and there. The only exception of that is if he's playing FIFA. Uh, and then which it's is like 99% after, of the time. <laughs> which is then it's just, can I finish this this match first? And then yeah. he'll finish that match and he goes and he does the thing and he does it to the completion. Like, I mean, you tell him to clean his room and he gets the vacuum out. Yeah, he, like, he, he makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that kid will go the extra mile, but he will be nasty <laughs> with his attitude while he's doing it. Like, he's just like, ugh. Like if, if any kid gives us eye rolls, it's probably that one. Yeah. Uh, and then our, our princess, Kelsey, uh, she's the youngest and uh, she will will do it when you, you tell her to. Uh, and she does it very happily, but she'll get like five minutes into something and quit. So oh, it's yeah. like, Kelsey, clean clean your toys in the basement. Okay. And she goes down and she puts away like three things and starts playing with eight. Uh, yeah, and then and- she's like, I'm done. You said to just do some. I'm yeah. like. Some doesn't mean two. <laughs> yeah. So so we got three kids. We got three statements. Uh, each one is struggling in a, a different area. How do you help them? You know, because I think a lot of times the way we we help kids is really the way we help ourselves. Uh, so like, how do you, how do you get with Bennett and say, hey, okay, here's a heart issue we need to work on, or hey, Jaden, there's a there's an immediate like response that you should have, like. Not when you get around to it, but like, hey, obedience is actually doing the thing. Uh, like the other the other night, uh, he's playing with the dog. And we're like, hey, brush the dog. <laughs> and he's just like playing with the dog. And we're like, hey, brush the dog. Uh, the brush is right there. And he's like, ha, 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 yeah. And he's just playing. And then he laughed and he was like, well, maybe next time when you ask me, I will actually do it. I'm like, yeah, obedience is seriously? nice once in a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> like next time, like. Like in, as if not today. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you help Bennett do it with a happy heart? How do you help Kelsey do it all the way? How do you help Jaden do it right away? I think that it's teaching them the value of it. Okay. Because I think that when they understand that there's value in, in helping, when there's value in listening, when there's value in, in being a part of what is happening, then you can do it with a little more purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, that when it is just a task, sometimes I think that that's the, our problem. We just minimize everything to tasks. Okay. You know, and it is just checking the blank. And that can get very monotonous. Yeah. And then you just you just want to put it off because, eh, <laughs> you know, or, or like, I don't feel like doing it right now. Right. I'll just check the task tomorrow, you know. But when you put value in it, when yeah. you see that there is uh, some, something that is important, then you will consider that a little bit more. Yeah then you will do it with a little more, more purpose, more, yeah. more happily. You yeah. will want to do it well, so you will yeah. finish it all. Because it's less about what you're doing, and it's more about who you're doing it for. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. It ties into that love component. Yes. It, it, it is all about, it's all about your heart. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And it is understanding that it is not just about the specific thing. It is about why you are doing it and for who you are doing it. And I think that that changes everything because when I know that if I finish doing all of the dishes, I am helping my family, I can do it happily. When I know that if I go and help my kid with with their bedroom, they're going to be better off because their room is clean, then I will do it with a happier heart than just to say, this kid is a mess, I have to clean. You know, I think that there's two different things. Like the, the way that you see it will help you to have the right heart for it. 
One of the first lessons I learned uh, with obedience to God, I was about 12 years old. I was actually in Mexico. It was uh, my first missions trip uh, to your church. And it, the I ironic thing about him. it is we, we'd never met, we'd or never at least met. I don't think we did, but it was a mission trip to your church. Uh, so I'm 12. And uh, we're at this family's house. Uh, it, it was almost like a like a, a a Paul encounter. Like it was like we were invited over to a home to like share a meal together and then preach the gospel. And then there was family members that were going to get saved. Like it was it was a total like New Testament church kind of kind of moment. Uh, but I remember we're having kind of a worship service in the house, and um, uh, there were some boys that were from just the neighborhood that just kind of walked by and stood in an open doorway and just were staring at us. And I uh, just felt like God was saying, "Hey, go invite them to to come inside." And I'm like, well, I don't speak Spanish, so that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm a little disobedient at 12. Um, and so it, it was like for the course of, I don't know, maybe a song or two. So I don't know, five, 10 minutes. I just felt stronger and stronger, stronger. Go invite them to come in. Go invite them to come in. Go invite them to come in. And finally, I just couldn't shake it anymore. So reluctantly, you know, I, I did not get the right away all the way <laughs> with a happy heart. Uh, and so I finally, I go over to the the kids uh, and they're, they were about my age, maybe a little bit younger. And um, uh, did my best like uh, charades of like you Dude, inside, again. yeah, Dude, like, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't even have that uh, oh. for Spanish. Like all I had was <laughs> it was it was super awkward. Uh, to which their response was to uh, run away laughing. Uh, super effective. My first uh, attempt at evangelism uh, went very well. Um, <laughs> they ran I'm away laughing, and so I go back in the house, and I'm like, that was the dumbest thing. Like God, I. I'm not happy with you. Like, cause I, I feel like you really, really were telling me uh, that I was supposed to go do this thing. And um, it was funny. Like I was, I was really dejected. I was really upset. And uh, somebody else from the team came over to me. Uh, and I don't know if they were watching or saw what happened or, or what, or if God just gave them a prophetic word in the moment, but they came over to me and they said, uh, Brent, you just got to understand that um, uh, you're not responsible for the outcome. Right. You're, you're simply responsible to be obedient to what God tells you to do. And that just, for me, that gave me such a freedom yeah. uh, in obedience, which which kind of sounds weird, right? Freedom in obedience. Um, but it did. It, it gave me this freedom to, to be able to obey what God told me to do without worrying about the outcome, without That's worrying good. about, is, is this going to be effective? Is this going to work? It didn't matter if it was going to work anymore. So now when God tells me to do something, like I'm, I'm totally fine falling flat on my face and it being a total failure. I'm, I'm more okay with that than I am okay with the idea that I'm not obedient to what God tells me to do when he tells me to do it. That's good. So. That's good. And I think that that's what we all should be aspiring to, mm -hmm. you know, because I think that a lot of us limit our obedience to the results. Yeah. And we say, okay, if, if I'm going to go and, and tell this person about Jesus and they're going to get saved, then... then it's it. worth it, yeah. right? Yeah. But if I'm going to go tell them and they're going to still say... Now, nah, thanks. Yeah. Um, then it wasn't worth it. Like we sometimes feel like the result has to yep. always be positive yep. in order for me to to actually do it and, and 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 feel like it was worth doing. It was worth taking the risk. It was worth the the embarrassment or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there is times that the answer is gonna be no, but still God is gonna send you to do it. Yeah. And and the thing is. The Bible talks about how some of us are the ones that plant the seed and some of us are the ones that are watering it. And some of us are the ones that, that, you know, are going to see the fruit, but God is the one that brings out the growth and yep. you don't know what part of the process you are. So it might yep. be that you're the one planting the seed and that, that person is still going to say no thanks, yep. but you still have to go there and put the seed in the ground. Yeah. That's so good. I love it. So yeah, it's that, that's beautiful. Yeah, fun times. Uh, okay, so uh, confession time. We're, we're going to get into a, another uh, interesting conversation with this. But um, first, uh, confession time. Uh, I make a horrible counselor, uh, <laughs> which is an awkward thing for a pastor because uh, everybody sees you as a pastor, so you immediately become their therapist too. Uh, and so people will constantly come to me and asking me for advice and, and asking me for help in their situation. And usually my response is, okay, let's figure out the stupid thing that you've done, and then let's not do that stupid thing anymore. Uh, which is why I'm I'm not good at counseling. But one of the things that, that I think frustrates me or that happens a lot, and uh, you can add some grace to this, um, is when somebody comes to me and says, well, I'm, I'm really wanting to hear 
the voice of God. I really want him to tell me what I'm supposed to do next. And you get into that conversation and you quickly discover that he already told them two years ago what they were supposed yeah. to do. And they still haven't done the last thing that they told him to do. It's, it's one of the things that I do love about the Jonah story. Like Jonah is told, go to Nineveh and give them this message. Mm-hmm. Jonah says, no, heads the opposite direction. Uh, storm, throw it in the sea, get swallowed by a fish. It takes them three days to finally be like, all right, I get it. Like, I need to go. And so gets vomited up and asks God what to do. And God tells him, go to Nineveh and give the message. Like, he spent three days in a fish and God didn't change his mind. Like, the, mm-hmm. the instruction was still the same. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think for a lot of people, we we struggle with this idea of, I was disobedient to the the thing that he told me to do. And I'm sorry about that. I repent for being disobedient. Now tell me something else to do. And God's like, yeah, I forgive you. Yeah, we'll, we'll make the fish throw you back up on the sea. But you still have to be obedient to the thing that I told you to do. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it's because we didn't like what he told us to do. Yeah. And that's why we didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's yeah. like, well, I didn't like that one. Give me another one. Uh, but yeah, God is going to give you the same thing. And and I have heard a lot of people say this, th- this to me as well. You know, like I haven't heard from God in a long time. And what is the last thing that, that you heard, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and now you're yeah. doing it. Yeah. And a lot of times it's the, no, yeah. I know what he told me last time and I haven't done it. And then I've been trying to listen to his voice and he's just silent. Well, let's start doing what he told us yeah. to do. And honestly, it's not even just to say other people. That happens to me too. Yeah. Like there's some Same. things that I'm like, God, but I've been praying about my kid for this. And the guy is like, are you doing what I asked you to do? And I'm like, you're right. Oops. You know, and it might not be because for me personally, God had uh, asked me to to get some Bible verses for for my son, Jaden and put him in his bedroom. And I've been praying that God will help him. He, he uh, battles um, with anxiety and just feeling depressed quite often. So I keep just praying, you know, like God help him, just God do something. And uh, the other day I, I was praying for him and God was like, are there Bible verses in his room? And I was like, oops. Ah. And it is not because I don't believe the, the, the Bible is, is going to help him or anything. I just get busy and I forget, you know? So sometimes we just need to stop and do what he has asked us yeah. to do. Yeah. Before worrying about what God's going to say next, uh, yeah. do what he told you last. Right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You, you're like, I want step two and step three, and I just want you to keep talking to me. And he's like, well, I don't want to just be yeah. saying words to somebody yeah. that is not going to listen. Man. Ouch. You know, like, like yeah. if you listen to me, I'll speak to you. But yeah. if you just want to hear my voice for the goosebumps. Yeah. That is that is not Man. what this is all about. That's huge, and and I think I think everybody can relate to that in, in a de- in a in a sense in a degree that you've been talking with somebody that isn't really paying attention, right? Like, do you really want to keep talking to them? Like, like I've literally walked away from conversations where it's like, oh, I guess you don't care. Like, and then we treat God the same way. I I I feel like sometimes we treat God like the whole. How are you doing? But you don't really care about Ooh. how the person is doing. Yeah. You know, like, hey, how are you doing? And you just, you as, as, as they are saying, good, you already passed by, right? Yeah. So we're like, God, how are you doing? Speak to me. And he's trying to speak to you and you already moved on. Yeah. So it is just a, a matter of really spending the time and listening to him yeah. and then doing what he's telling us to do. It is. It, it goes hand in hand. It is not just God speaking to us just so that we say that we hear his voice. Yeah. Like if he's going to speak to us and we're really going to want his guidance, we have to follow what he's saying. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So we've, we've talked a lot about obedience and we could probably keep talking about obedience for a while, but there's a couple Forever. other things that I would, yeah. Cause it's, it's one of those things that, so confession, pastor, preacher, follower of Christ for a very long time. Obedience is still something that I have to, I have to struggle with and I have to choose mm-hmm. every single day. Uh, and you, you think that you've gotten to the place where you're like, I'm obedient. And then he tells you to do something that you're like, mm, I don't know if I'm ready for that one. Uh, yeah. And you got to relearn that lesson all over again. But um, just for the sake of time, I, I want to move kind of into a conversation about um, compassion. Because uh, mm. that, for me, this is why I hate the story of Jonah. Um, and I think part of it, if I'm brutally honest with myself, is that I can see myself in Jonah too much, um, where it... it it shines this light of um, this is the this is the path that I'm trying to walk uh, mm-hmm. that I'm trying to learn is is compassion that that Jonah's story is he has zero compassion 
and maybe rightfully so, uh, in the sense that like uh, Nineveh, the the Assyrian Empire, was like evil, evil, evil. Like what is so bad. what does Nahum describe it as? Uh, it's like whore city, blood, blood city, city, murder city. Like it's like brutal. Uh, <laughs> like, like how you want your city to be known by that? Right? Like, no thanks. Like literally, it's a city that is like God says, "I am against this city." Like that's how that's how bad they are. Uh, and so, like you can you can almost justify like Jonah's stance against them yeah. uh, and his lack of compassion for them. But like at the end of the story, Jonah is more upset at God killing a plant that he was receiving shade from than he was at the possible destruction of 120,000 people. Yeah, that's harsh. Like, where's the compassion, Jonah? And and the thing is that I think that there's so many things in our lives that we need to unlearn. Mm. You know, I think that since you are growing up, everybody is telling you, you know, you do bad things and bad things will happen. You know, we are kind of programmed in that justice has to happen, you know, and, and, and karma, you know, like the whole idea of like instant karma, like what goes around comes around. So there's a lot of things that as Christians, we have to unlearn Yeah, because we have been programmed to, to expect the bad stuff to happen or even wish for the bad things to happen to the people that are doing wrong. And however, like we are going to have consequences in the natural for our actions, absolutely, mm-hmm. because we we live in a world that has consequences. But I think that when it comes to our souls, we should hope and desire for people to not get what they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm not going to take away from the fact our God is a God of justice. Right. Uh, I mean that that is what heaven, hell, sin, consequence, that's all of that is wrapped up in he is he is a just God. Um the justice that he gives out, like it doesn't even look like the justice we would give out because his standard is so much higher than ours. Right. So it's just for him to destroy all of us. Uh he's well within his rights, uh, based on the the level of 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 perfection that that he is and that he would require of us. Uh but Here's here's the challenge is that for a lot of us, we want justice for other people, but we want mercy for ourselves. Ooh. Like yeah. we, we want to be forgiven for things that we condemn others for. Um, I think it's uh, Craig Rochelle talks about uh, this. I'm not sure where he got it from, but it's this idea that we accuse of others of what we excuse in ourselves. So an That's example good. of that would be like um, somebody shows up late uh, to work. And immediately you're you're judging them and you're, you're you're critical of them. It's like, man, they just need to have better time management. They need to leave the house earlier. And it doesn't matter what excuse they had of traffic or whatever. No matter what it is, like they were late. That's a problem. We need to discipline them. Mm-hmm. We need justice because they're late. At the same time, if you show up late to a meeting, it's like, well, the kids, you know, had this problem and the bus didn't come on time and I ran into traffic. And, and all of a sudden you're making all of these justifications for the same exact offense that yeah. somebody else had, but yeah. you want justice for them and mercy for yourself. That man, that's that's hard. That's <laughs> hard because it, the Bible t- tells us, you know, judge others in the same way that you're gonna, you're be, gonna judged, be judged. Yeah. You know, so it's it, it is one of those that if you really want mercy for yourself, you have to extend mercy to others. Yeah, you know, and and it is difficult. It is difficult because I think that it, it's just in our nature to to point at people and say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. Uh, But that puts you as somebody that is not doing anything wrong. And I think that it is always looking inward, Yeah, you know, more than you are looking at other people, like understanding that you're running your own race Yeah, and that it is, it is a matter of you getting better in your relationship with God. That is a matter of you uh, having the compassion for others that you want people to have for you. Yeah. And sometimes we don't do that. Yeah. And, and really it is, it is compassion that that's, that's what we're, we're, we're talking about that uh, we need to have a heart for people. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a lesson that I've had to, to learn. Uh, I'm continuing to learn. Yeah. I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've had to learn that lesson because I think by nature, by default, uh, my level of compassion is really, really low. Um, and, a lot of times I, I confess that a lot. Like I, I talk about this and, and how I'm growing in this area and, and how, how good it's been for, for me to process through that. Uh, but then people will look at you 
and they're like, Soul is so sweet. She's so so kind. She's so loving. She's so caring. And so they they attribute you to, oh, she's the compassionate one, and Brent's not. Please set the record straight. I am very compassionate. Ah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I grew up. And I don't know. You have, I don't a, know. you have a brutal family. I don't know if it's, I was about to say, I don't know if it's my family. I don't know if it's cultural because I think that uh, for the most part, Mexicans, we are more hardcore. Thick skin. Like, we are more hardcore, yeah. you know? So, like, I am the person that you trip and fall in front of me. And yes, I will help you, but I will laugh first. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I will just burst out, like, yeah. dude, like, really? You didn't see that? <laughs> you know, like, I. Yeah. Yeah, you were you were a, what? You were a like a time. you were a teenager and you were wrestling with your mom uh in the bedroom and she fell off the bed and like dislocated her shoulder. And, like her uh, arm that, is just laying all in and you're just she laughing. Went, like sideways. But but she was laughing too though. That's what I'm saying. Like we are a little we were a little different. We were yeah. a little different. Uh you know, we uh for us Hispanics, um you call people by wherever Physical trait Physical they have. Physical trait they yeah. have or whatever yeah. wrong thing that they, <laughs> they have experienced, right? Yeah. So you have el flaco and you have el chino and you have el gordo, you know? Yeah, so, so you, skinny, curly hair and fatty. Yeah, so like, and, and it is not that you're trying to hurt them, but it's just like, that's what you look like, bro. Like, what, what do you want me to do? Uh, it's very descriptive. Yeah. So, so it is very hard sometimes to... To just go into compassion mode immediately, yeah. you know? So, like, with my kids, I remember one time Kelsey fell down and I started laughing. I started laughing. I, was, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing. I thought it was hilarious. And then, of course, I picked her up and everything. And then she started to cry. And then I thought she was crying because she fell down. And then she said, I'm crying because you were laughing at me. And I was like, well, it was funny. But I realized, like, I am, I can hurt people. Because yeah. it sounds like I don't care. Yeah. Even though I do care, but the compassion, compassion like, like doesn't doesn't translate, you yeah. know, doesn't translate. Like yeah. I want I want to help, absolutely. Yeah. But it is not always my first response. Yeah. I think that that is why our oldest son, Jaden, is uh, like God's gift to the two of us. Yes. Uh, to teach us compassion. Yes. Because that kid feels for people in a way that I I don't know that I've seen that in anyone else. Yeah, no. Um, he's He's amazing. And, and and like we we tell the story sometimes of of you know like uh, him seeing the homeless person and just being in tears and like I didn't even notice the guy there. Yeah. Uh, like he just sees things. I remember we picked him up from school one time and uh, there's a kid on crutches, and uh, and Jaden is just you know he's heartbroken for this other kid that like he didn't even know him. <laughs> didn't know his name wasn't a friend of his in class it literally just some kid in his school on crutches, and Jaden is is just heartbroken on behalf of this kid and just, just wants to to pray for him and wants God to heal him. It's like, well, what's his name? I have no idea. Like he's just, he's just a kid on crutches. Like that, that gift of compassion to be able to see people that are hurting and, and immediately want feel to it. do something about it. Yeah. To, to feel it exactly. Like you said. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful. We, we've talked a little bit about like my, my time at thrift teak. Uh, so we, we, I was the manager for this thrift store that ran a food pantry. So a lot of our clientele, uh, homeless people that are just absolutely in in the hardest places in their life. A lot of alcoholics, drug addicts, like just being around them, it, it started to soften me. And I, I, honestly, I'm so grateful for that time because it taught me uh, compassion. Because sometimes it's it's really easy to judge people at a distance, mm -hmm. uh, but then when you actually hear their story, and like it's really easy to look at an alcoholic and say, "Well, if you just stop drinking," right. But then you sit down and you actually talk with them and like the first thing out of their mouth is, I wish I could stop. Yeah. It's like, I hate the fact that I'm doing this. I'm throwing away my life. I remember talking with a guy that literally said I had two choices. I could pay my rent uh, or be evicted. Um, if I paid my rent, then there was no money for alcohol. If I get evicted, I can at least be drunk on a park bench. And I would rather be park, uh, drunk on a park bench than sober in my little apartment. Because that's how addicted he was. And like in those moments, like God just started breaking my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that uh, to learn compassion, I, I do think that it is something you can learn. Yeah. Um, that uh, there's some people like Jaden, uh, our son, that is born with an extra high level of compassion. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that it's something that you can ask God to give you 
more compassion. And I think that it's something that you can put yourself into situations where you're going to become more compassionate. I think that for me, I love that the Bible often refers to compassion as moved with compassion. Mm -hmm. Because I think that compassion, it is not just feeling sorry for people. Right. You know, because you're like, oh, I feel pity for you, right? Like, pity and compassion are different. Like, I feel sorry for what you're going Mm -hmm. through. Uh, It is really doing something about it. Like, that, it, it, it makes you do something. It moves you. So that's why I love when the Bible refers to it they were moved with compassion. Like it was this feeling that made them do something. It was this feeling that propelled the, the, the desire for change. And I think that that's what we are supposed to have uh, a type of compassion that really makes us say, I'm going to do something to change this situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I I see somebody on crutches. I'm actually going to pray for them. Not just be like, Man, it, it must be really awful to be on crutches, you know? Or, or even like, just, like, help carry their bag. Anything. Like, do some, uh, hold the door open a little bit longer. But instead of just being like, oh, man, it sucks for them. Exactly. Or I'm just going to pray from a distance. Yeah. True compassion makes you act. Yeah. I think that it is not a passive word. It has to be love an it. action word. Yeah. I love it. But that the, uh, compassion is the thing that Jonah was missing. Yep. And so when I read his story and I look at, the way he was treating them, uh, the way he got upset about this dumb plant that that dies, but wasn't going to be upset about 120,000 people dying. Like, it's it's scary to see. Like, okay, could that be me? Could 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 I be the one that is more concerned with my own um, comfort, my own you know status, my own whatever? Um, because that that was Jonah's issue. Like when he's upset at the plant being killed, it's because the plant was giving him shade. Yeah. Like it was like I'm those 120,000 people, they don't affect me. But this They don't plant do anything did. for me. Right. And and so because I'm inconvenienced by this thing. And it's like, man, when will you be inconvenienced by people dying? Mm-hmm. People going to hell. Mm-hmm. Like when when will you let that be the bigger inconvenience than I lost my shade? And I think that sometimes we read these stories and we're like, he was really awful. I would never you know, like I would never yeah. feel like that for 120,000 people. Yeah. Yet you go onto the internet and you realize that there's this whole cancel culture, yeah. that there's this whole um, uh, instant karma, right? Yeah. And everybody's celebrating when somebody else gets it wrong. And you're actually hoping for this person to fail because they're awful. And, yeah. you know, like when, when COVID first uh, hit, how many horrible comments were happening of people saying, well, I hope that so-and-so get COVID and die. Yeah. Like, it is happening today. You know, it is, it, it is something that, that it is really, really alive in our society today. Yeah. We really want to see people getting what they deserve. And we actually almost pop our popcorn and just sit there watching, right? We're like, yeah. well, they had it coming. Like they were awful. Like let's cancel them. Like let's just yep. forget about them. Let's all send them hate mail. Uh, it's awful. Yep. Well, and it and it ties into and this is this is kind of where we'll land this plane is evangelism. Like it, it God has given you a, a platform. Yeah. Whatever whatever circle you're in, whatever influence you have at your workplace and your community and your house, wherever it is, God has given you a place where. Um, can you become so uncomfortable with the thought of somebody in your neighborhood going to hell that you're going to do something about it? Because because uh, you you talked about this on Sunday, but like God's desire is for everyone yeah. to be saved. It's Second uh, Peter three nine. I got it here on the on the screen. The Lord is not slow about keeping His promise, uh, as some people think. So He's talking about Jesus' return. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says He's waiting for you. The Lord does not want any person to be punished forever. He wants all people to be sorry for their sins and turn from them. Yeah. I want to have the same heart for all people that God does. Yeah. But that is a really hard thing. This this may get us canceled, but like God desires for a child molester to go to heaven. Yes. Yeah. He wants murderers and terrorists and Every single person that you consider the worst on earth, yep. he wants them. He would rather to... them be in heaven than in hell. Absolutely. Now, not in the current state, though. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want them to just enjoy the sin and then go to heaven. Yeah. He there's, wants them because there's still justice. Right. He wants people to repent 
You know, he wants yeah. them to to say, I yeah. condemn everything that I have done till this point. Yeah. And from this moment forward, I want to follow Jesus. Yeah. And that's what we are supposed to be looking for, you know, to be able to be the light for those people to say, hey, what you are doing is wrong. Yeah. And if you continue on that path, then yeah, hell is your eternity. Yep. But if you stop your evil ways, like like what happened to the Ninevites, like mm-hmm. they put a stop to all of their evil yep. and turn to God. Yep. That is what we need to desire for the worst of people. Because I think that sometimes it's easier to think that, uh, yeah, I want my neighbor to be saved. Like, you know, like he, he, he needs Jesus and yeah. you just see it because he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy and it will be really, really good for him to, yeah. to know Jesus. But what happens when you think about somebody that is kidnapping people? You know, what, what happens when you think about the murderer, the murderers or the child molesters or stuff like that, yeah. you know, like, do you still have that? I hope that they find Jesus or you're like, send them straight to hell, yeah. you know, cause there's a lot of people there. Like all of them are going to hell in a, in a hell basket or what? Hand basket. The, hand basket. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's a hell, is a <laughs> hell basket, I guess. Uh, but, but, you know, like we should not rejoice in knowing that people are dying without Jesus. Yeah. We should desire people to, to know that there is hope, that there is salvation and, and really desire for them to stop their evil ways and turn to Jesus. Yep. Cause that is, that's it. Yep. That it is not just a, a, a magic, a, a magic thing, you know, like just yep. everybody, everybody just goes to heaven. It is stopping their evil ways and recognizing that God is faithful and he can forgive even the worst thing that you could ever imagine. Well, that's what Peter says in that verse. He wants uh, uh, all people to be sorry for their sins and turn from them. Yeah. And I think that that's that's one of the the important things that um, our culture needs to to hear. Yeah. You know, it's really easy in culture to say, yeah, but, you know, Jesus hung out with sinners and, and, and prostitutes and tax collectors and all that. Uh, but it's this idea that, yeah, Jesus hung out with them, uh, but he didn't leave changed. They left changed. Ooh. Like sometimes I think that we're we're so uh, quick to just jump into sinful culture and we leave feeling okay about the sin instead of them leaving changed. Uh, it's the, Them leaving convicted. Right. It's the, the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. Like I love that story. Yeah. Uh, because the first half is like so much compassion, yeah. so much love, so much care. And then in just one short phrase, Jesus says, go and sin no more. Yeah. Like that's the gospel. The, the gospel is, look, I'm not condemning you. Uh, there's there's compassion here. There's love here. There's forgiveness here. But stop doing the thing that you were doing. Mm-hmm. Like don't don't just continue in it. Like it's it, it's it's the lesson that we all need to learn that you can have compassion for people without compromising. Yeah. Without saying, well, I, I care about them so much. I, I need to be okay with the sin that they're, they're engaged in. No, you don't. And in, in fact, I would argue that that's less compassionate because yeah. you're showing compassion for the, the 60, 70, 80 years or whatever they're going to live on this earth and zero compassion for the eternity that they're going to have after that. That's right. Yeah. And honestly, like I have been hit by, by this, uh, lately, I was in worship the other day, and it was a great moment of worship. I, my, my hands are in the air. I was just enjoying the presence of God. And all of a sudden, I just felt like, how many people don't have the freedom of raising their hands because Man. they are trapped in sin? And it really put me, pulled me out of this moment of worship. And I literally started crying, and I started praying for people that they don't have the luxury of coming to the church and raising their hands and feeling the The presence of God because they are trapped in sin. And I think that we all need a little bit of that in our lives. And and I wish that that was my heart every single day, that I will not just feel it one moment, but that it will be my every day to say, God, I want to see people the way that you see them. I want to hurt for them. I, I need to desire for them to be able to raise their hands and experience your presence because I have the, that luxury. I have that honor. I want everybody else to do that. Yeah. Because I know where I was. Yeah. You know, I know that I my life wasn't perfect and I needed Jesus. Yeah. 
And I needed the mercy and I needed the grace and I needed for somebody to and show me. <laughs> and I still do. And I still do. You know, I needed somebody to show me that yeah. that God is a good God, that God can give second chances, that God can raise me up. And how many people don't know that? Yeah. And the thing is, some people love their sin. Yeah. Some people are uncomfortable with it. You know, some people are like, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I don't like yeah. it. But some people enjoy it. Yeah. Some people profit from their sin. Yeah. You know, so it's like sin is it's great business. So what are we doing for those people to see that there's change that can happen in their lives, yeah. that there's hope for them, that there's mercy, that if they only just really see what God sees, yeah. they can be different. So what does that look like? What what does it look like for uh, for somebody to go and tell someone else about Jesus? What do you, what do you got to know? What do you what do you got to be equipped with? What it, what answers uh, do you need to have prepared for? What questions like how how do we need to approach this? Well, I honestly personally think that it's all about your experience with God. You know, uh, we can have all answers to wherever you want, but if you have never experienced it, you will not know what to do. Yeah. So I think that if your life has been transformed by Jesus, if you really have repented from your, from your sin and your life is different because of Jesus, you have everything that you need. Yeah. Cause you can say I was this, but Jesus came, yeah. you know, I was living a life that was trapped in so much sin and so much dysfunction. You know, my, my life was, not going well. I had no hope. Now I have hope. But Jesus came into my life and I, I might not be able to explain how everything happened. I just yeah. know that I felt lighter. Like I have, I have talked to a lot of people and they're like, I pray, I pray to, to have Jesus in my heart and I feel lighter. Like I feel happier. Like I, like I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, sometimes we don't, we don't understand and we cannot explain the supernatural of yeah. what God does. But we, if you have experienced it, if you really value that, you know, and if, if you are in love with Jesus, you can talk about Jesus. Yeah. And and I understand there's going to be people that are going to ask you questions and you're not going to have answers. And I think that it's okay to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Yeah. Because none of us know everything. I cannot tell you how many times people have come to me and said, what about this? I'm like, I have no clue. I'll be right back. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you just have to do a little more digging and say, okay, I, I don't have an answer for that, but. I look it up, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll ask around, uh, I'll study a little bit more on that and get back to you yeah. because yeah, that's, that's definitely going to happen. And I think you can even take it a step further and be like, you know what? I have a question about that too. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, how does, how does a good God allow such evil in the world? Like, like I've got an answer for that, but most of my life I'd be like, man, I don't know. Yeah. Like that's tough. And I wrestle with that just like yeah. you're wrestling with that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like- I'll ask God in heaven. Like I'll ask him like, Hey, so why did, why did that happen? Yeah. Cause I didn't get it. I didn't understand it, but my, my understanding of my knowledge and my wisdom in that area was not a prerequisite for my obedience or, or right. my surrender to, to him. Yeah. And the thing is like, yeah, there's a lot of things that I will not be able to explain. Like my, my kids, they tried me every, every day, <laughs> like especially Kelsey, my little girl, she has all questions, you know, and, and how can God be here and in China at the same time? Girl, I have no clue. So it's called omnipresence. Uh, and, I don't, uh, and, like, I don't, and I don't necessarily know how that works, you know, and like she asks all kinds of questions about, about faith because she wants to understand it. And there's a lot of things that I don't have answers for her. And I have to say, let me figure that out, you know, and there's times that I'm like, I honestly don't know. But I believe that the Bible is true. So we just have to believe that it is true. Yeah. You know, so And I have enough experience in my life to, to back up that that claim. Right. Right. So I just know that he hears me and I know that he hears somebody in China and I know that he hear that he heard me when I was in Mexico. So I know that God is that God is here. Uh, you know, so I think that it's it's fine to say I don't know. It's yeah. fine to say I will find out. But what it is, uh, what is uh, just going to happen is the fact that you have an experience. You know, that that is something that nobody can take away. 
You know, when when you when you can truly say and point and say, okay, this is who I was, and this is how my life has changed. There is no rebuttal to that. Yeah. Like I know who I was. I know who I am now. Yeah. I know what I did, and I know what I do now. I know how I felt, and I know how I feel now. Yeah. I might not have all of the answers, but that is. That is just the truth. Like yeah. there is, there is transformation that has happened. And it doesn't mean that every every day is going to be perfect, or that you know every situation is going to be magically better. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's that there's been enough impact in my life for me to to say this is real. Yes. And and I've I've got questions on the journey, and and you know I know you do too, and we're going to figure these things out together. Yeah. Uh, as as best as we can, but don't let that be the stopping point. Yeah. Like I think a lot of us, we, we, we look at, well, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to respond to these. And a lot of times it's just these hypothetical what ifs, like, what if they ask me this when in reality, they're going to be like, do you want to come to church with me? And they're like, okay. It's like, oh yeah. Like all those scenarios yeah. that I had played in my yeah. head, like none of them happened. Uh, yeah. But we get so just kind of turned off, closed off of, of following through because we're, we feel unprepared. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny because like, uh, we're doing this thing called life university at the church right now. And, um, uh, next month we're starting a new, uh, series, uh, in those classes on evangelism. Uh, and then later on, uh, sometime this year, or possibly next year, I'll be doing a course on, uh, apologetics, uh, defending the faith and having answers to these questions. So like, I do believe in equipping and training and having yeah. answers for these things, but I feel like we also need to understand, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Right. Uh, that that the gospel message is the good news uh, of Jesus Christ, that he has brought hope to the world. Yeah. Uh, that, yes, there are consequences of our sin, but through Jesus, uh, we can find freedom, we can find hope for the future, and we find eternity. And, 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 and that's the message. Yeah, and I think that the, the, the biggest example for us is the disciples, you know? Like, Jesus, Jesus yeah. died, he rose from the dead, and they went and they spread the good news everywhere they could. Yeah. They didn't have a Bible. Yeah. They didn't have the gospels to read to them. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have, you know, like all of the letters of Paul just yet. So they just went around say, saying the things that they yeah. had experienced. Yeah. One of, one of the kings even says, you know, the, these men have clearly been with Jesus. Exactly. Like that's that's all you need is a life that, that you can say this this person has clearly been with Jesus. There's there's something different. There's something yeah. that has been transformed. There's something that's been changed. Uh, which is why you know the the biggest key in evangelism is really to follow Jesus. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's really hard to tell somebody like you know if if uh, I don't know if, if my TV's broken at home and some friends come over and they're like, man, your TV's pretty jacked. It's gonna be really hard for me to sell them on that TV brand. Like, it's like, oh yeah, you should totally buy one of these yourself. Like, it's a total mess. Like when your life is a total mess, it's really hard to talk about like, hey, I got this savior that's going to do all this great stuff. But the the more we live in sin, the harder it is for us to evangelize it. The harder it is for us to be a witness because right. our life is the example. Yeah. And people we are going to look at us. true transformation. Right. People are going to look at us and be like, so it's like the, the Gandhi quote that talks about, you know, I love Christ. I just can't stand your Christians. Uh, like if, if we're those kind of Christians that are still living in sin or are being uh, hypocritical on, on everything or, or, or judgmental with everything yeah. and, 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 and being like Jonah and, and getting more angry about a plant dying than about uh, somebody's eternity, then, then yeah, we're, we're going to struggle uh, to do what Jesus told us to do. He said, go and make disciples. Yeah. Like it's our job. Uh, I love something that you said uh, yesterday, and we'll kind of wrap up with this, but you said, if, if Jesus is my savior, the gospel is my uh, responsibility. Yes. And that is, that is the point. Like it's, if, if it wasn't the point, then the moment you confess Jesus as Lord, you disappear, float up to heaven and you're gone. Like it would just, but you're still here Yeah. and you're still here because you now have a responsibility. In the same way that somebody introduced you to Christ, maybe that was a family member, maybe that was a parent, maybe that was a, a pastor or a teacher somewhere, uh, but somebody introduced you to, this is Jesus, this is the man that can change your life. And now we have a responsibility to go to the people in our families, in our yeah. communities, at our workplace, and say, this is Jesus, this is the man that changed my life. Yeah, and the thing is that um, those were the last words of Jesus, you know, like, go and make disciples of all nations. So... We have to take that as our 
go instructions yeah. you know like this is this, this is what i what i have done like i already died on the cross i already ro rose from the dead your your debt is paid yep. it's it's over now go and spread the news so that everybody will know so that everybody will receive it so that's what we're supposed to do so it is our responsibility that is what he told us to do yep so so let's do it let's do it <laughs> absolutely and and i think that something that you said is that that uh, we all are supposed to go, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that is very important because a lot of people think that that's the job of the pastor. Right. <laughs> so, so like you pastor, go and preach, right? Like you pastor, you have the seminary school, you go and you tell people about Jesus and we just get here and get happy because more people are coming. But no, that yeah. is your responsibility. Yeah. It is my responsibility too, yeah. but it is but also But not because I'm a pastor. But not because like I'm it's, a pastor. It's my responsibility because I'm a Christian. Absolutely. Yeah. So like it is our responsibility, like all of us. If you believe in Jesus, you are responsible for sharing the gospel everywhere you go. Yep. So it is not it is not just about titles. It is not about who works at the church, right? If you yeah. work at a church, then then that that's your job. You're a professional Christian. Yeah, like you're, that's your job. You do it. No, we all are supposed to do this. Yeah. It is our job to share the good news of the gospel. And I love that because I love just calling it the good news because it's good news. Yep. You know, you were supposed to die, yep. but Jesus died on your place. That's yep. good news. I mean, you were, supposed to go, you, you were supposed to go to hell, but now you can get to go to heaven if you accept Jesus. That's good news. And contrast that with the, the message that Nineveh heard that caused all of them to repent. Yeah. Uh, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Yeah, that's it. Eight words. Yep. Like that, that was his that was his message. Five in Hebrew. Uh, but that that's that's the entire message. Do you know message. them in Hebrew? Uh, I do not. I don't speak Hebrew. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he just he just comes and says, he doesn't say God's going to destroy you. No. Uh, he doesn't say why God is going to destroy them. Uh, he no. just says, 40 days from now, you're going to be destroyed. That is not a very hope-filled message. It, it doesn't say, no. unless you repent. Like his message no. was, you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. Mm -hmm. And they took it upon themselves to say, well, maybe, you yeah. know, maybe God will have mercy on us if. Yeah. Uh, and that's a they beautiful moment. They but, stopped eating. Yeah. They stopped doing anything, you know. And like yeah. even the king said, we are going to put a stop to our evil ways. <laughs> like they realized we're bad. Yeah. And it wasn't because of... Of, yeah. of a big speech, you know, it yeah. was just the fact that somebody said, you're going to be destroyed. And they yeah. immediately knew why. Yep. And I think that if you talk to anybody, we all know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what I love is, so that's, that's the message that Jonah has to give. The message that we have to give, so much better. Oh, it's so, it's so, so much better than 40 it's days so from good. now, you're going to be destroyed. No, our, our message is God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you. Uh, because he he doesn't want you to be separated from him. He yeah. loves you that much. And when you invite him into your life, he is going to uh, soften those rough edges. Mm -hmm. he, he's going to help you in those areas where you need guidance. He's, he's going to be a voice of reason in your life. The Holy Spirit is going to uh, empower you to live the life that you've always known you were supposed to live, but couldn't quite get it. Like when, when you're struggling with sin, uh, you need the Holy Spirit to help you fight against that temptation. Yeah. And and that's the gift that, that God has for you because he loves you so much. There's hope. Yeah. And and I love calling it the good news. I really yeah. do because you always want to share good news. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like, like you, you know that something good is happening to somebody yeah. and you want to tell everybody, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, uh, like I have great news for you. Yeah. Well, we have even greater news. Like we have the good news. Yep. Let's tell everybody about it. I love it. All right. So Jonah, we need obedience, we need compassion, and we need to tell people about Jesus. You know what is sad? What's sad? We don't read anything from Jonah after that point. No, he, he, it literally ends with him on the side of the mountain looking over uh, Nineveh, yeah. upset and angry at God yeah. because he killed the plant instead of the 120,000 people, and it ends. That's it. And it is so sad to me, you know, because I wish— it would have a happy ending. I love happy endings. You know, I wish it would have been like, okay, God, I, 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 I see my my uh, the error in my ways, and I am on board now, and I'm so glad that this happened, and everybody lives happily ever after. But that was not his ending. Yeah, it was just like we're done. Yeah. So the the question then becomes, what's what's your ending going to be? Yeah. Uh, is is it going to end with you on the side of a mountain, angry at God, 
frustrated at his mercy and his grace? Or are you going to get the happy ending? Or are you just going to go to heaven and be in your little pot? You know, like it was just me and myself and I. Yeah, instead, and of, the, instead of the uh, well done, my good and faithful servant, it's a, uh, well. <laughs> you made it. You're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, that wraps up episode number two. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'll have a new guest with me and uh, we'll be talking about Samson. So check it out uh, next week. Love you all. Bye.